0: Chapter 8 of Great Disasters and Horrors in the World's History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Warren Cotty, Gurney, Illinois. Great Disasters and Horrors in the World's History by Alan H. Godbay. Chapter 8 tropical cyclones the storm is on his way with the lightning sword and the thunder shout and his robe on the night wind floating out the storm is on his way the storm is on his way he smites and the dust-swept valleys groan the ocean rises, and the forests moan the storm is on his way the preceding pages show only the destructive power of the small tornadoes of our land we are fortunate in that the great cyclone is comparatively a rare visitor among us a moment's consideration of this ravager as he appears in the tropics will show how trifling are the storms that have swept over our own land a few examples will convince the most skeptical of the great cyclones which have traversed our country in recent times we may mention the hurricane of october twenty one through 24, 1878. general greeley says it first damaged buildings and sank vessels at havana it entered the united states near wilmington north carolina and moving due north passed over washington and eastern pennsylvania after which it curved eastward and crossing new england left the coast near portland maine in philadelphia over seven hundred substantial buildings were totally destroyed or seriously damaged bridges injured twenty-two vessels sunk several persons injured and eight killed entailing a loss variously estimated from one to two millions of dollars other loss of life and great damage by freshets and winds occurred elsewhere in pennsylvania a large number of steamers ships and coasting vessels were dismantled wrecked or sunk along the new jersey virginia and north carolina coasts entailing loss of life and enormous pecuniary damage the wind reached seventy-two miles per hour at philadelphia and eighty-eight along the coast another cyclone the next year ruined one hundred large vessels and two hundred yachts and smacks another in eighteen eighty-one destroyed four hundred persons along the carolina coasts and damaged property to the extent of one point six million dollars but these are exceeded by the great nova scotia cyclone of eighteen seventy three the property damage alone is estimated at nearly five million dollars the signal service report says that one thousand and thirty-two ships of which four hundred and thirty-five were small fishing schooners are known to have been destroyed during the 24th and 25th of August in the neighborhood of the Gulf of St. Lawrence and the Atlantic shores of Nova Scotia, Cape Breton, and Newfoundland. On the other hand, over 190 vessels were destroyed by this hurricane in its passage over the ocean before it reached Nova Scotia, making a grand total of at least 1,223 vessels destroyed within a few days by its power two hundred and twenty-three lives are definitely reported to be lost and the moderate estimate of the numerous cases in which whole crews have been lost swells this number to nearly five hundred and if to this is added the loss of life on land and the loss in the earlier history of the cyclone the grand total amounts to at least six hundred lives had the famed Shah Jahan ever visited the west indies it is probable that he might have pronounced many of its lovely islets fit rivals for that beautiful creation of his fancy which bore above the gateway if there be paradise upon the earth this it is this it is this it is among the loveliest groups are the beautiful virgin isles and loveliest of these is the famed island of saint thomas a lofty mountain girdles the island leaving an opening between two hills into a wide oval harbor while the pretty little town lies around the inner side of the port sloping up the mountain behind the queen of a vast natural amphitheatre such a fine harbor has rendered st thomas almost the mistress of west indian commerce and one would not suspect in looking at the sunny slopes and green-clad ranges around the azure harbor that in this region is the birthplace of the storm king yet not a spot on earth has been more frequently visited by great cyclones one of the most notable of its visitations during this century occurred august second eighteen thirty seven the barometer fell rapidly during the forenoon and by noon the storm began in a short time it increased to a tremendous gale at about three o'clock the wind suddenly ceased in a few moments it blew from the other direction roaring and rolling black clouds before it raising up immense sea waves covering the island with intense gloom six hours it blew ever increasing tiles and slates whizzed through the air to be shattered on the rocks or driven into timbers great trees were whirled about often dashing away houses that seemed about to weather the storm while the terrible roar of the wind was such that even the crash of the thunder could hardly be distinguished one authority tells us that the great guns at the fort were blown through the air and tossed about the beach like chaff this must be taken with allowance it is more probable that the great guns on the beach were washed up from the wrecks of some old pirate vessels or ships of war about ten p m there was a slight cessation of the storm and the people were congratulating themselves that the worst was over when there came a violent earthquake which laid in ruins almost everything that was left the wreck took fire in two or three places at once the hurricane began with renewed vigor and ere the wretched people had fully comprehended the magnitude of the calamity the whole ruined town was a sea of flame buffeted by the wind blinded by the smoke and the pelting spray whirled up from the raging sea the people ran for the slopes of the hills the light of the funeral pyre of their hopes and labors rendering the gloom more horrible and seeming to rival the gleams of tartarus day broke at last the storm was gone the earthquake staggered the miserable folk no longer the warm and brilliant sun of the west indies smiled upon the scene the whole country was strewn with large trees, uprooted or snapped off, and all plantations were destroyed. In the town the fire was dying out, and it was only here and there that the ruins were still smoking. The hurricane had swept away nearly all the wooden houses, those which had been lightly placed upon beams just above the soil being carried off as they stood, while the larger ones, which had resisted the hurricane— were overturned in an instant by the earthquake the whole town was strewn with wrecks that told of the violence of the catastrophe the port so gay and animated the day before was dreary and deserted a few masts here and there emerging from the water while all along the shore and even upon the slope of the hills were scattered wreckage and corpses of sailors while we have noticed only the destruction wrought at St. Thomas, this storm was general throughout the Antilles. In the Bahamas, it was less violent, they lying on the outskirts of the storm. Millions of dollars' worth of property, merchandise, vegetation, houses and vessels, were destroyed, and thousands of lives lost. Thirty years later, St. Thomas again suffered from the combined forces of storm and earthquake and the damage was greater because the earthquake with its sea wave came a few days after the storm as the work of restoration was well under way and so involved a second prostration of the resources of the people moreover the town had grown considerably in thirty years and there was much more valuable property to damage fifteen large steamers and many smaller vessels were driven on the shore by the storm while the sea wave a few days later found the port again filled with vessels of different nations it overleaped the sentinel hills at the entrance of the bay and swept with tremendous force upon the city drowning with its terrible roar the despairing cry of the sailors then suddenly retired with the wreck of the city to its dark abyss the batteries of heavy guns at the entrance of the harbour were swept away a few injured vessels wallowed on the waves but most have been swallowed up and left no trace behind while there is always deep sympathy for those who suffer such calamities yet it must remain of the type bestowed upon sufferers in arctic expeditions the character of the climate is well known and the whole matter resolves itself into a question of the risk one is willing to run there is no blind chance in control of these movements the cyclone frequents only certain regions and its habit and power is understood while we pity the sufferers we cannot assert that the scourge is mysterious or unaccountable any more than we find mystery in the fact of eternal snow in the polar world but there have been storms in the west indies far more destructive than either of these or both together one of the most noted of the century is the famous Barbados storm of eighteen thirty one which an eye-witness thus describes on the morning of the tenth of august the sun rose without a cloud at ten a a.m., a breeze that had been blowing died away towards two p m the heat became oppressive at five p m thick clouds appeared in the north rain fell and was succeeded by a sudden stillness and a dismal blackness all around except towards the zenith where there was an obscure circle of imperfect light till ten thirty p m however there was no sign of change then lightning appeared in the north and very unusual fluctuations of the thermometer were observed all this time the storm was only approaching after midnight the continued flashing of the lightning was awfully grand and a gale blew fiercely from the north and northeast but at one a m on the eleventh of august the tempestuous rage of the wind increased as the storm suddenly shifted and burst from the northwest and immediate points the upper regions were illuminated by incessant lightning but the quivering sheet of blaze was surpassed in brilliancy by the darts of electric fire which exploded in every direction at a little after two a m the astounding roar of the hurricane cannot be described by language about three o'clock the wind abated and the lightning ceased for a few moments at a time when the blackness in which the town was enveloped was inexpressibly awful fiery meteors were presently seen falling from the heavens one in particular of a globular form and a deep red hue was observed by the writer to descend perpendicularly from a vast height on approaching the earth it assumed a dazzling whiteness and an elongated form and on reaching the ground splashed around in the same manner as melted metal would have done and was instantly extinct it is evident that the coincidence on this occasion with the day on which the earth is known to pass through the august belt of meteors rendered the effect of this great storm at barbados more striking it is not safe to assert that there was any relation between the phenomena a few minutes after the deafening noise of the wind sank to a solemn murmur or rather a distant roar and the lightning which from midnight had flashed and darted forkedly with but few momentary intermissions now for nearly half a minute played frightfully between the clouds and the earth with novel and surprising action the vast body of vapour appeared to touch the houses and issued downward flaming blazes which were nimbly returned from the earth upward THE MOMENT AFTER THIS SINGULAR ALTERATION OF LIGHTNING, THE HURRICANE AGAIN BURST FORTH FROM THE WESTERN POINTS WITH VIOLENCE PRODIGIOUS BEYOND DESCRIPTION, HURLING BEFORE IT THOUSANDS OF MISSILES, THE FRAGMENTS OF EVERY UNSHELTERED STRUCTURE OF HUMAN ART, THE STRONGEST HOUSES WERE CAUSED TO VIBRATE FROM THEIR FOUNDATIONS, AND THE SURFACE OF THE VERY EARTH TREMBLED AS THE DESTROYER RAGED OVER IT. NO THUNDER WAS AT ANY TIME DISTINCTLY HEARD. The horrible roar and yelling of the wind, the noise of the ocean, whose frightful waves threatened the town with the destruction of all that the other elements might spare, the clattering of tiles, the falling of floors and walls, and the combination of a thousand other sounds formed a hideous and appalling din. About 5 a.m., the storm abated. At 6 o'clock, the wind was at south, at 7 o'clock, southeast. AT EIGHT O'CLOCK EAST SOUTHEAST, AND AT NINE O'CLOCK THE WEATHER WAS CLEAR. THE VIEW FROM THE SUMMIT OF THE CATHEDRAL TOWER, A FEW HOURS LATER, WAS FRIGHTFULLY GRAND. THE WHOLE FACE OF THE COUNTRY WAS LAID WASTE. NO SIGN OF VEGETATION WAS APPARENT, EXCEPT HERE AND THERE SMALL PATCHES OF SICKLY GREEN. THE SURFACE OF THE GROUND APPEARED AS IF FIRE HAD RUN THROUGH THE LAND, SCORCHING AND BURNING UP THE PRODUCTIONS OF THE EARTH. The few remaining trees, stripped of their boughs and foliage, wore a cold and wintry aspect, and the numerous seats in the environs of Bridgetown, formerly concealed among thick groves, were now exposed and in ruins. One peculiarity noticeable was that in some places trees, timbers, and many other objects presented a scorched appearance, as though subjected to intense heat the reason of this is not clear as unusual heat was not perceptible after the beginning of the storm by anyone it may be that this was produced by unusual quantities of electricity escaping through imperfect conductors for we learn from other phenomena that during this storm there was an unusual state of electrical tension in the atmosphere sparks occasionally leaped from the heads of persons out of doors vast numbers of trees that were not blown down speedily died and it has been suggested that an excess of electricity killed them the total loss in this storm is not definitely known some further idea of its fearful violence may be gathered from the fact that at the north end of barbados the waves broke over a cliff seventy feet high and the salt-water spray was carried inland in such quantities as to kill all the fresh-water fish in ponds far in the interior as for the tremendous roar of the wind the commanding officer of the thirty-sixth regiment sought protection by getting under the arch of a lower window outside his house he did not hear the roof and upper story of the house fall and only found it out by the dust caused by the fall far more destructive was the great hurricane of seventeen eighty the french and english were at war admiral george rodney was in the west indies with an english fleet in several divisions the french had sent a convoy of five thousand troops to martinique the storm was of immense width extending from trinidad on the extreme southwest to antigua the evening of october ninth was red and lowering by ten o'clock next morning the wind was high and by one o'clock vessels in the harbors were dragging their anchors the water was driven on shore with such force at barbados that it was four feet deep in the government house the family took refuge under the cannon only to find that they were moved about by the wind by morning not a building in town was standing every tree was either blown away or stripped of branches and leaves the sunny islands were suddenly become as bleak and bare as a siberian steppe as to the loss ten thousand perished at martinique six thousand at santa lucia four thousand five hundred at saint eustatia three thousand five hundred at barbados scores of smaller islands were devastated but the loss in detail is not known of the british fleet the greater part was destroyed only one vessel out of nineteen at st eustatius survived a score of other ships of war and numerous transports were sunk of the french convoy with five thousand troops the governor wrote laconically that it had disappeared several english vessels at barbados were carried far inshore and converted into dwellings doubtless fifty thousand would hardly be too great an estimate of the total loss of life in this storm in a similar one in 1813, the hurricane drove back the Gulf Stream, piling up the water thirty feet deep in the Gulf of Mexico. The ship, Ledbury Snow, endeavored to ride out the storm, and when it was over, found herself high and dry. She had let go her anchor among the treetops of Elliott's Key. The Barbados region suffered another severe gale in 1782, when the prizes captured by Admiral Rodney were sunk a number of merchant vessels and two english warships foundered and three thousand lives were lost at sea alone the temperate zone has its occasional hurricanes though they are by no means as powerful or as frequent as those of the tropics it is stated that in the year 944, 1,500 houses were destroyed by a tempest in london in the year ten ninety it is recorded that a violent storm overturned six hundred and six houses in london alone terrible as is the destruction of the cyclone in the western world its fury here cannot give a fair idea of the awful havoc it makes in oriental regions all through the malay archipelago along the coasts of china japan the philippines hindostan and farther india the ravages of the storm king have been appalling far exceeding even the terrible hurricanes of the west indies hindustan affords peculiar facilities for destructiveness of cyclones both its great rivers flow for the latter part of their course through low alluvial plains and their deltas extend into the ocean directly toward the region of monsoons so that a hurricane may send a great tidal wave up the river while the low rich plains for miles around are but few feet above tidewater and teem with a population attracted by the amazing fertility so a sudden great storm may totally submerge without any warning hundreds of square miles of these fertile tracts with all their inhabitants even when the sea wave is not added to the horrors of the storm the losses are fearful a cyclone at calcutta in 1867 destroyed thirty thousand houses wrecked or sunk six hundred ships and smaller vessels in the river and killed ten thousand persons in the city alone when to this is added the havoc committed by the storm one hundred miles wide in the rural districts as it traveled on toward the foothills it is clear that every reader may be devoutly thankful that such terrible visitants are altogether unknown in our land terrible as this storm was there was a greater one on the fifth of october eighteen sixty four about one hundred ships were lost and over sixty thousand persons perished forty three thousand in calcutta alone it was accompanied by a boar on the Hooghly, the water rising thirty feet which is ten feet higher than the highest spring tides whole towns were nearly destroyed it indicated its approach for several days and captain watson of the clarence seeing the barometer falling knew a cyclone was approaching and saved his ship by steering out of its range compare this with the storms of our own land that thrill the country with horror if but one hundred people are killed and remember that the cyclone of india destroyed six hundred lives where one was destroyed in this region compare with the most terrible storms recorded in the west indies and the latter must yield. Coringa, on the Coromandel coast, has been several times desolated by these terrible storm waves. In December 1789, three immense rollers came ashore during a single storm. The town was destroyed, the neighboring country inundated. Ships were torn from their anchorage and thrown high on the land. Twenty thousand people were lost, and the heaps of sand and mud rendered search for bodies and property useless. In May 1833, the region at the mouth of the Hughley was inundated by a cyclone. Three hundred villages and 50,000 people were destroyed. In June 1822, Buracel and Bakkergunge, at the mouth of the Ganges, were overwhelmed and 50,000 persons drowned. But Hindustan has far greater horrors to report. A terrible flood in 1887 was driven by the cyclone over the Ganges Delta. The victims numbered many thousands, exact figures not at hand. But in 1876, a cyclone swept the bakker district and rolled in a storm wave over the eastern edge of the fertile delta, covering it with from 10 to 50 feet of water when the storm had subsided it was found that more than one hundred thousand people had perished finally a great cyclone in seventeen thirty seven october eleventh and twelfth swept the ganges delta with a wave thirty feet deep on the land three hundred thousand people perished in this storm the mind cannot grasp the appalling magnitude of such a disaster these cases are the most destructive cyclones on record and in each case the destruction is due largely to the character of the region traversed though the winds of bengal are not surpassed in violence by those of any country in the world were the harbor an open seaport instead of a large river no ship could live through such a storm other regions in the east suffer much from tempests the whole malay archipelago with the malaccas and philippines are visited quite as frequently as the coasts of hindostan a cyclone that swept the philippine islands november sixth eighteen eighty five destroyed ten thousand people and millions of dollars worth of property the same character of storms is frequently met with in the japan and china seas where it is known as the typhoon our anglicized spelling of the chinese title typhoon with one example of the power of this storm this chapter must close in the narrative of commander hall of the british navy is found this description of a typhoon that occurred at hong kong july twenty one through twenty second eighteen forty one for days previously large black clouds appeared to settle on the hills on either side the atmosphere was extremely sultry and oppressive and the most vivid lightning shot incessantly along the dense threatening clouds and looked more brilliant because the phenomena were most remarkable at night while during the day the threatening appearances were moderated considerably and sometimes almost entirely disappeared the vibrations of the mercury in the barometer were constant and rapid and though it occasionally rose still the improvement was only temporary a storm was therefore confidently predicted. Between seven and eight o'clock in the morning, the wind was blowing very hard from the northward, or directly upon the shores of Hong Kong, and continued to increase in heavy squalls hour after hour. Ships were beginning to drive, and the work of destruction had commenced on every side. The Chinese junks and boats were blown about in all directions, and one of them was seen to founder with all hands on board. The fine basin of Hong Kong was gradually covered with scattered wrecks of the War of Elements. Planks, spars, broken boats, and human beings, clinging hopelessly for succor to every treacherous log, were tossed about on every side. The wind howled and tore everything away before it, literally sweeping the face of the waters. From half-past ten to half-past two, the hurricane was at its highest the barometer at this time having descended to twenty-eight point five the air was filled with spray and salt so that it was impossible to see anything that was not close at hand the wind roared and howled fearfully so that it was impossible to hear a word that was said ships were now drifting foul of each other in all directions masts were being cut away and from the strength of the wind forcing the sea high upon the shore several ships were driven high and dry the chinese were all distracted imploring their gods in vain for help such an awful scene of destruction and ruin is rarely witnessed and almost every one was so busy in thinking of his own safety as to be unable to render assistance to any one else hundreds of chinese were drowned and occasionally a whole family children and all floated past the ships clinging in apparent apathy perhaps under the influence of opium to the last remnants of their shattered boats which soon tumbled to pieces and left them to their fate on the twenty sixth another typhoon occurred but not so severe as the first the storm at sea presents a class of peculiar dangers and a variety of thrilling experiences such as the landsman never knows the stories of great shipwrecks and other purely naval disasters form some of the most interesting narratives in history and doubtless the reader will be pleased to notice in detail the perils of the deep and to learn of the precautions taken and the means in common use for averting as far as possible the disastrous results of the tempest certainly the brave tars who peril their lives on the ocean to bring us the luxuries of a foreign land Deserve especial attention, and no apology need be given for devoting a portion of this volume to the story of their perils and daring. End of chapter 8 Recording by Warren Cotty, Gurney, Illinois